He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Our very special guest is Craig Grossi, and he's the uh, he's so many things, but he's the author uh, of a great book, and it's a must-get for everyone, Second Chances, A Marine, His Dog, and Finding Redemption. And uh, he's a Purple Heart recipient. He's, uh, of course, a, a vet. And uh, what a story he's got. And he's doing some wonderful things in the main prison system with service dog program and, and, and working with vets, uh, training them. I, there is, uh, there's nothing bad about this story. I mean, just absolutely uh, heartwarming and, and wonderful. Fred, his, uh, his dear friend and, and dog that he, uh, he went back to get in Afghanistan, uh, it just, it's, I'm going to let him tell the story. But Craig, how are you? Hey Frank, uh, we're we're really good. Uh, thank you, thank you so much for for having us on. It's uh, it's great to be with you. And um, yeah, it's it's been an incredible journey that since uh, you know over ten years ago now, I came across Fred on an Afghani battlefield, and um, you know a pretty unlikely place to to meet such a, a special soul. And and uh, he's been leading me on an adventure basically ever since. Yeah, amazing. And and some of the, you know, and again, I, I you know, I, I hear different stories and you know, I work with some uh, some groups here that um that rescue dogs overseas and especially with vets and paws of war mm-hmm. and uh, so forth. But they they tell me nightmare stories about how uh, in the Middle East uh, dogs are treated. Sometimes they cut the ears off, whatever. They're, uh, they're, uh, in, in many cases, they're, uh, they're completely mistreated. Uh, when I see Freddie, he looks perfectly intact, thank God. Um, is, yeah. First of all, is that true? Is there a... Uh, is, is there a um, a, a cruelness that happens to, to dogs uh, overseas uh, that we don't necessarily see here. And, and secondly, is Fred okay? Yeah, well, yeah, that's a great, great question. And yeah, uh, first off, Fred, Fred is more than okay. Fred is thriving. Uh, he's a very, very happy, very healthy uh, dog, and he loves living up. Uh, we live now in Maine. Um, for a long time, we lived in the Washington, D.C. area. That's where I'm originally from, but... Uh, Life has kind of led us to Maine, and, and he's really uh, embraced embraced the lifestyle up here, and, and so he's doing great. Thanks for asking. And and in terms of just you know the the cruelty, you know, it's I wish I could say that it's um, isolated to the Afghanistan and and, and countries um, that are in similar situations, but you know it, you can find examples of it uh, in our own country of the of cutting ears and and training dogs to fight and miss you know, mis kind of mistreating them for the purpose of, uh, of cruelty, you know, uh, uh, or, or for, you know, maybe fighting or something like that. I mean, that does happen, um, you know, here in our own country and throughout the world. Um, I would say for, for my experience in Afghanistan, what I saw most was, was just kind of, uh, neglect the, the people of Helmand province and specifically Sangin where Fred is from. Um, they took very good care of, of their livestock, of the animals that they depend on, um, but they're they're you know some of the absolutely most poor people that I've ever encountered in my life in terms of resources, um, you know. So they they can't really take on a a, a, a companion you know animal a pet like that. Um, they're incredibly strong and, and resilient and giving people, um, but they just don't have the the resources to take care of dogs. So they kind of fall to the side. 
Yeah. I, before we get get into the book, which uh, we, is just it, absolutely great, uh, just released and getting rave reviews already. Again, Second Chances. Oh, thank you. A Marine, His Dog, and Finding Redemption, everyone. It's a must-get for everyone. But uh, let me just say this. Uh, I was in Africa, and I do a lot of traveling, and I was at, in Africa a couple different spots uh, a few mm. years back, and I remember going into uh, stores and looking for pet food and, and just couldn't mm. see it, you know, couldn't find it. Right. And my guide, the, uh, you know, the man I hired to help me uh, get around to the safaris and everything else, uh, he looked at mm-hmm. me like I had two heads when I said uh, dog food. <laughs> you know, he said you know, right. the dog will pick up whatever he finds. But uh, do you find that to be the case? Is there, uh, is, is there dog food, uh, you know, set over there or is it rare? Yeah, that's 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 a really interesting uh, experience that you had. Yeah, I mean, no, absolutely not. There's no no concept whatsoever of food specifically for dogs uh, in, in a place like Afghanistan. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, they're very much uh, scavengers and, and hunters. You know, kind of had to be on their own. And um, Fred, I we, we would watch Fred. Um, you know, and I think he kind of figured out in the days before we showed up, you know, because we kind of landed on Fred, he, he didn't approach our base or anything like that. We kind of inserted out of helicopters and, and kind of landed on, on Fred. And, uh, I think he figured out a little trick because he's on the smaller side. A lot of the dogs over there were pretty big. Um, and, and uh, I think he figured out if he could handle the heat of the day that he would kind of be uncontested in terms of scavenging and, and wow. looking for food. Um, if he could just be out in the sun, uh, because most of the time, once that sun went down, that's when the dogs really, really became active, and they were out uh, hunting and, and scavenging. Wow. Craig, uh, give us a, an overview of the book. Don't spoil it. We want everyone to get it, but give us a, give yeah. us a rundown. Of course, yeah. So I mean, it's um, you know, it in, in a lot of ways picks up uh, where Craig and Fred, my first book, leaves off. But in no way is it a, is it a sequel. It kind of just is a natural kind of evolution between the two books, and and it starts. With Fred and I back back in our our trusty uh, uh, 1988 Toyota Land Cruiser, and we're headed um, to to Main State Prison, um, and it's the entire book basically takes place inside the prison. Um, but I, I really take the reader on a journey um, that I'm going through as I get to know the men um, within its walls and their stories and the dogs that they're working very very closely with. Uh, and pouring their their entire heart and soul into uh, for the benefit of veterans that uh, that most of them will never will never know and never meet. Yeah, and we've always got to remember that. Uh, look, there are there are hardened criminals, and there are uh, some terrible people in prisons. But there are also vets, and and we have to treat them differently, uh, knowing what they come back from, and 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 you know we hear the nightmare stories of suicide and PTSD. Um, the the prisoners that are uh, the veteran prisoners cannot be treated the same way that the uh, the hardened uh, lifelong criminals are. And any chance we uh, we get to do this or, or approve this, uh, it's a little payback uh, to them. And I think it's great what you're doing. Uh, I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you. If you can, uh, anything that you want to add uh, to to this, and uh, before we let you go, give us a website, a social media site where people could follow along with you and Fred. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so you can get get the book Second Chances uh, just about anywhere you get books. And uh, yeah, if you want to keep up with with Fred and I, it's uh, our website is fredtheafghan.com dot com, and our social media is uh, Fred the Afghan on Instagram, Facebook, and, and Twitter. 
Now listen, it's a beautiful story. Congratulations, and thank you for everything that you've done. Uh, I, you know, the, the the Purple Heart is uh, the hardest uh, award ever to get. You know, uh, and just just absolutely amazing. And um, we can never thank you, your colleagues, and everything else uh, that you've done overseas. But what you're doing here is just absolutely great. Uh, Craig Grossi, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. Craig- Craig Grossi, everyone. His book is called Second Chances, and it's about him rescuing. And, and I mean, this is really a rescue. I mean, going overseas to rescue a dog is is different. We have two rescues, but we basically went to, um, you know, went to the shelters to get get them, and we drove a little ways. I mean, he flew back to Afghanistan to uh, to find Fred, and I mentioned Pause of War and Robert Masiri and. And um, and and uh, Dory Schofield, uh, the the work that they've done locally here and just nationwide, worldwide, uh, they've just done some great things. And what they do is they they go overseas and they find dogs and uh, find dogs that uh, that were companions to uh, folks that were were serving our country. And uh, and they search them out and they find them before they're destroyed or tortured or whatever. And they put them back together. It's as it, heartwarming as you can get. And this is very similar. I'd love to see them all get together and everyone who's doing that kind of work. Uh, you know, first of all, dog lovers will, will love this book. And anyone who, who appreciates what the veterans do and, and have done for us, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's thankless once they get back here. It really is. And. Um, you know, a lot of those folks end up in prison because, uh, you know, there's mental and emotional problems that uh, that come along. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it, um, it's, it's not an easy world to come back into once you've seen the, the horrors of war. And it, again, I'm just going off of their words. I've never fortunately have never seen them, seen the, uh, the, the tortures and the horrors out there. But, uh, it, you know, to treat uh, the prisoners all the same to treat hardened criminals that are just, uh, you know, killers and rapists and murderers uh, to group them all together with veterans who came over here and made a mistake or some kind of robbery or some kind of, um, you know, crime of passion. I don't know. We just have to have a different view of uh, of the folks when they get here and and realize that uh, that they've seen things that no human being should see and they dealt uh, have dealt with it so uh, you know my heart goes out to this guy first time I'm talking to him and hopefully we'll get him back for a longer period of time his book just came out please get it second chances a marine his dog and finding redemption it's about Craig Grossi and Fred uh, the the dog he found over there and again a real rescue dog and he's doing all kinds of great work in the main prison system with his um, with his fellow vets that have been incarcerated over there. And again, Purple Heart recipient, uh, Georgetown graduate Craig Grossi has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with uh, with somebody uh, who's not only 
by most accounts, everyone will tell you the greatest magician who's ever walked the earth. But in my mind, and I, I saw him in person, and I don't care if he's on a stage the size of a stadium or on a uh, stage the size of a posted stamp, he's the greatest performer I've ever seen in my life. He's absolutely amazing. What he's done in his, uh, in his life and his career is just uh, unbelievable. Chris Angel on TV is just uh, is just can't miss no matter what his show is on stage you can't miss and what he's done uh, behind the scenes and what he's done for pediatric cancer is is just uh, is ju- it will choke you up it's absolutely amazing to talk to someone I haven't seen in over 30 years but uh, just unbelievable Chris Angel how are you Frank man this is uh this is probably the best interview um, and the most uh, excitement that I had doing an interview because, as you know, I do lots of these. And to talk to you, the guy that believed in me, along with your brother, back in the 80s, um, when I just had a dream and I wasn't proficient and I wasn't polished, but you saw, you saw the diamond in the rough that you tried to shine, but it wasn't my time at that moment. Um, it's just such an honor to, to talk to you, and I'm very grateful to have this opportunity to reconnect with you and all of your listeners. Yeah, well, listen, I, the honor is mine. Uh, what an amazing—and by the way, back back then, you were a star the day you walked out of—you uh, came out of the womb a, a star, and it was just a, a matter of time. Uh, just absolutely wonderful. Magic with the Stars is the new series, and everyone's uh, very, very excited uh, about this. You can see it on Saturday's CW Network, and everyone's just raving. Anyone who's got a, gotten a little taste of this is just raving about it. Uh, uh, Chris, what what can you tell us about Magic with the Stars? Well, you know, uh, Frank, I've been performing in Vegas now um, since well, I started in 2004 with Mind Freak on A&E, and then you know, with uh, my live show in 2008. So I've been performing, evolving, transforming the most revolutionary cutting-edge illusions. And so every night I perform Mind Freak at Planet Hollywood in front of 1,500 people last night, tonight, tomorrow. And I've been doing this for many years. And I thought during COVID that I wanted to take those illusions, those things like levitation and flying and vanishing and escapes, and teach it to celebrities and see what they could bring to the stage as they went head-to-head, learning my illusions, performing them, and then being judged by Lonnie Love, Emmy Award-winning comedian, master magician Lance Burton, myself, hosted by the hilarious Eddie Griffin, on my stage in front of 1,500 people. So it was a show that was very different, very unique. People not only are going to see the most mind-blowing illusions that are going to just like keep their mouths and their jaws open but they're also going to get a message that you know what we're all the same it doesn't matter if you're a celebrity we all have you know our insecurities our fears and we're going to see these celebrities overcome their fears of heights of drowning uh, you know of many many different things and we realize as a viewer that we're not alone that anything is possible and we can obviously overcome fears and we can achieve anything because magic shows us that and magic with the stars breaks it down in a very humane way because of these celebrities who are vulnerable. Chris, can you tell 
right away if somebody's going to have uh, trouble learning what uh, what you're teaching that? And, and I mean that from a kid to a celebrity to a polished performer, because uh, magic is different. It's, uh, it, it's not uh, as easy for, for some as it is for others. Can you tell right away? Well, what's interesting is that, you know, you have high-level athletes. You know, I have Frank, I have, uh, Frank Mir, uh, two-time heavyweight champion of the UFC, Randy Couture, four-time uh, champion of the UFC. Then I have gold medalist Harold Lipinski. Then I'll have, you know, um, Matt Walsh, a comedian. Then I'll have, you know, Flava Flav or Vernon Davis, who won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl champ. So I have different people that have different sets of skills, each in their own unique wheelhouse. And then I discover when I meet them and I'm about to teach them, you know, what their their fears might be or what what they're good at. Um, and surprisingly, you know, you take some people that you think will be very, very good at something physical, but they don't really, ha even if they're an Olympic athlete, but they don't have the confidence because they're approaching an art form that they're not familiar with. So what I try to do as hopefully the teacher is to understand their learning process in their, their field and then try to take that process and how they learn and apply it to, okay, we're going to learn this escape. We're going to learn this, this mentalism effect. We're going to learn this, you know, illusion. And so I try to keep it within their, their learning, um, the way that they learn so that it becomes easier for them to, to master it in a short amount of time or at least make it good enough to present it where they, they could shine. I, I know several levels of, of Chris Angel fans and uh, different age groups, and I mean very, very young Chris Angel fans, and they're very excited about this. Uh, older folks, people my age, uh, people my kids' age, and, I, and, and, and quite frankly, they're all into different things. When you look out into the audience, and it's 1,500 people uh, every day, what, what's what's the range of ages there? Is it spread out the way we'd, we would think? Well, because it's uh, casino-based, is it older folks? No, it's spread out. Um, the only time it gets to more adults is when, you know, when schools are, are, are open. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people, if they have off of school and it's some type of you know, holiday vacation, then we have kids in there, you know, eight years old all the way up to people in their 80s. Um, it's diverse. It's black, it's white, it's brown, it's rich, it's poor. You see, magic, Frank, as you know, appeals to the child and all of us. We all want to escape reality and see the impossible become possible, whether it's me flying around, levitating, or, you know, doing these other uh, pieces of, of magic. People want to see this. They want to be entertained. And, and with my live show, <coughs> excuse me, I bring an immersive quality to it that we've never seen in live entertainment. There's an actual tornado in the show that people will experience. Wow. Debris flying around, a, a snow blizzard that happens. So we take people on a roller coaster ride and they never know which way it's going to twist and turn. And ultimately those demonstrations and those experiences are what the celebrities bring to life every Saturday, 8, 7 Central or 8 o'clock in, in New York. Uh, with magic, with the stars, they're bringing that stuff to life. And for the skeptics that watch it at home, they're like, oh, that's not possible, that's trick photography. They all have the opportunity to come see Mind Freak at Planet Hollywood 
um, and see that what you see is what you get. There's no trick photography, and um, it's there, it's live, and we're just trying to share that magic with these celebrities, you know, throughout the world. You know, you could have dropped the mic after after Mind Freak. It was uh, maybe the greatest show uh, of of its kind uh, in the history. Uh, but uh, every time uh, you come out with something else, it's just better and better and more and more interesting. Uh, absolutely amazing. Take a bow for everything that you've done, uh, Chris Angel's Magic with the Stars new series. And uh, and you've if you haven't been watching it, you're missing out. It's Saturday nights. Uh, uh, Chris, can you give us a website, a social media site where we could follow along with what you're doing? Yeah, it's just uh, Chris Angel, just C-R-I-S-S-A-N-G-E-L. Whether you go to chrisangel.com or you go to Chris Angel Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, it's all just simple, Chris Angel. And uh, really uh, such a, an honor to speak with you, Frank, and, uh, and to, to have this opportunity with your listeners is uh, such a privilege uh, for me. And, you know, obviously I wish you and and everybody listening, all the very best. And if you come out to Vegas, come see Mind Freak. And if you want to be entertained, the whole family, and you want to have some fun with everyone, watch Magic with the Stars every Saturday, 8 p.m. on the CW. Chris Angel, congrats once again, and thank you very much for being here. Hold on for us when we get off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to everyone out there, please, I urge everyone to watch Chris Angel's Magic with the Stars on Saturday's CW. It's the best show out there. I mean, you've got to watch it. And when I tell you uh, he is the the greatest performer I've ever seen in my life, and this is going back 30 years, and uh, and under any circumstances, under any stress, whether it's one person or watching in front of millions of people in, uh, in, in television and it was something the size of a stadium, he is absolutely amazing. Just after, His family is just wonderful, and uh, just Chris Angel's magic with the stars, everyone. Check it out. Uh, Frank McKay here signing off, and the great. Chris Angel, the greatest magician who's ever walked the earth, and to me, the greatest performer I've ever seen in my life, has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with Medal of Honor recipient. David Bellavia, what an incredible career this man had. We owe him and him and his colleagues and and all the men and women who uh, wore the uniforms uh, for our armed forces, especially now around this day uh, more than ever. But every every time they come back and they take off that uniform, somehow we forget about them, and, and it's just terrible. But David Bellavia has written a great book, and it's just out. And you've got to get two copies of this book, everyone, uh, one for yourself and then one for someone you love in the armed forces. Uh, we're a military family, and uh, this, this man's won the Silver Star, the Bronze Star, uh, every award you could possibly think of. And the name of his book is Remember the Ramrods, My Army Brotherhood in War and at Peace. David Bellavia, how are you? I'm doing great, sir. Thank you so much. Well, listen, I uh, honored to talk to someone with uh, uh, with with your courage and and your uh, 
your your belief and, and your friends uh, that were there with you and and so many people take that home with them but like I said somehow we forget about all of you uh, once you take off that uniform and I think we have to pay attention uh, to the folks once they get back and they're not serving anymore uh, would you just come on on that a little bit before we get into the book yeah, no, I think that was a, it's a brilliant observation. I think the most tragic part of where we are is that the veteran forgets who they are. It's one thing for society to not recognize the first responder, the fireman, uh, the, the cop, the EMT, the, the folks out there doing things for us every single day. But you can't forget who you are. And the problem that we have when we come back in the civilian world is that we put the war in a lockbox, we put it in a time capsule. It's behind us. We think we peaked in our 20s. Everything else is cruise control. Nothing will be a moment of just black and white, good versus evil. Nothing will ever. I'll never find my purpose in this world again. I'm just a soccer coach. I'm just a dad. I'm just working a job at a plant. That's all I do. And we forget what we are and what we represent as a generation. Because I'll tell you what, the great part about our military is that if you get through me, you got about four and a half million people behind me that are tougher, smarter, faster, and can think better. There are waves and waves of Americans that are ready to do whatever it takes to tell China, Russia, Iran, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, you name it. There are, hey, here's the message. If you want to raise a kid and they want to do what their dads did and fight against the United States of America, tell your kid to go to dental school because it's going to end horribly like it did for your old man. You can't win against us. Our allies need to know that that's real. Our adversaries need to fear what happens when they intimidate or threaten American lives. Our military is that tip of the spear. And just because we're older or we're out of uniform, that doesn't mean we stop serving. Our real service starts when we come home in our communities and realize that let's now use this to heal, let's grow our culture, let's grow our society, and let's remind people that we can disagree, we can have differences of opinion, but we can't lose the focus of who we are. We're still the shining city on the hill. Yeah, amazing. Just beautifully said, and I just I can't wait to read my copy of Remember the Ramrods. Can you can you give us a, an overview? And again, you you feature your your brotherhood. Uh, in there, your Army brother, Brotherhood. Uh, give us a little uh, little overview, if you don't mind. Yeah, so 18 years ago, uh, around this time, uh, in 2004, was the Battle of Fallujah, and it was a, a generational fight. It was our generation's Normandy Beach landing. You had the Marines and sailors. You don't get to work with Marines. Uh, soldiers do their own thing in the Army. Marines are over here. Sailors are over there. Airmen are in their own little base. This was a set play with the entire generation, entire military on one side, and every global all-star Islamist you know, team on the other. Guys from Chechnya and the Philippines, Italy, Europe, Syria, you name it, Iran. They were all in that city. Men, uh, women and children were gone. They had months to build up. And they said, like they tested our World War II generation, you're not going to jump from pillbox to pillbox in, in, the, in the Pacific you're not going to face the Third Reich in Europe. Vietnam doesn't have the intestinal fortitude to push communist Chinese out of South Vietnam. They tested our generation and said, all you guys are is lasers and thermals and drones. 
you're not going to kick down doors and get in our face. Well, guess what? We stole their lunch. We lost a lot. We sacrificed a lot. But we cleared that city out. And we faced a, a close quarter battle, which is, look, I don't care if you're the Marvel Avengers or you're the SEAL Team 6. I put a machine gun behind the door. Someone's getting shot. And the way that you have to combat that, it's physical. It's psychological, but it's also spiritual. And when you survive that, you realize that there's nothing about your DNA that survived that. What made there's not a college plan or a dental insurance that makes you kick down a door or clear a road of IEDs. You do it because you fight because you love. We don't hate the enemy. We love each other. We love our country. We love our communities. We fight for each other. So when one person gets an award, it's got to be an award about the entire unit. It's got to be something about all of us together. And that's what we made the Medal of Honor. We made the Medal of Honor about each other, the ramrod. It's a, it's a unit award, and all my guys shared it. But more importantly, we came back into each other's lives again. It's very, very gracious of uh, of you, and and uh, and like you said, it's a it's a connection, and you can't be more of a team player than than what you are talking about right here. I, what is it about the the men and women that you met along the way that uh, that you think prepares them? For and I mean beyond the army, there has to be a certain toughness that you have, and and I I don't think the army or anybody is is taking taking somebody who just doesn't belong and creating something out of nothing. Something has to be there in the first place to to uh, allow you to to have that mentality and that strength and that courage. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, you know it's it's the weirdest collection of you know some of us had great parents. Some of us had wealthy parents. Some of us didn't even know who their dads were. Some of us, you know, grew up in inner city, communal, rural areas, uh, suburbs, you name it. The thing that's so different about military people and civilians is that trust is earned on day one. Trust is more important than like. As a civilian, you go on a date, you like someone, and you build up trust. You get a relationship with someone. Can I trust them? Financial advisors, you name it. I have to trust you, but I like you. I'm going to earn trust down the road. In the military, some of us, we still don't like each other, right? yeah. but we trust each other, and we and that's on day one. And when you can take someone from the inner city or the suburbs or the rural areas of America and say, listen, you're, all I need is you willing, are you willing to be there with me? I can teach you how to shoot. I can teach you how to move and communicate. I can't teach you how to want to be there with me. And if you can get a, a young man or a young woman who wants to be there, everything else is academic because it, it now comes down to a position where, you know, you have people that want to be in the fight. And I think the biggest tragedy is that for 14 years, I thought I missed it. I thought I missed being shot at. I thought I missed the adrenaline. And what I missed was the sense of purpose. I missed not the fight. I missed being needed in the fight. And what I think this, what my brotherhood ramrods have done in my life is remind me that I didn't miss the war. I missed the people. I missed the relationships. I missed the sense of purpose and direction. And that's what we need to remind veterans of every single day. Your service didn't start until you came home. Now I need you to serve. 
I need you to remind young people America is still worthy of this sacrifice. I need you to remind people that no matter what happens on Election Day, who's in the White House, who has the House, the Senate, or the federal bench, America is not going to die on our watch. America is strong enough to push away the ignorant. America is strong enough to educate people, to remind them of who we really are. And America must always be ready because everyone on the other side of this wall wants to take us down. And it's our men and women that prevent, you know, that, that prevent that. They're, they're our, our security blanket. David, I, I, I can't thank you enough. I don't think there's any possible way to thank you and your brotherhood uh, for what you've done and what, uh, what you continue to do and to speak about it. The book is Remember the Ramrods, My Army, Brotherhood in War and at Peace. Uh, David, do you have a social media site, a website where we can follow along with what you're doing? You know, I, I don't do the social media thing. The, the, uh, they got D, at Twitter is at DG Bellavia. Uh, Instagram, Facebook is just David Bellavia. But for the most part, uh, I'm kind of proud of the fact that I don't want it to be about me. You know, I, I want it to be about go go follow a veteran, go follow a unit, uh, go out there and be a force, a, a change in your own community. Uh, remember, if the Medal of Honor story is something you think is really cool, I'm humbled by that and it's awesome. But the book is about what my life is dedicated to. Remember the team. Remember the organization. Remember the cause. When we remember the fallen, you can't forget why they died. Don't forget how they died. Don't forget why they died. Remember that that was a sacrifice that was made knowingly so that we can live in comfort and in peace. It's the most beautiful thing to be associated with, and that is my social media. David Bellavia, thank you once again. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. David Bellavia and uh, and all the ramrods, uh, we, we can't, you know, possibly extend our thanks to them anymore. Um, I mean, these are guys that, uh, uh, you know, just guys and gals, I should say, the people who uh, who just uh, laid it on the line. Uh, the Battle of Fallujah was uh, it was vicious and, uh, and ugly and uh, just uh, amazing. I know people who were in Fallujah at that time. Uh, of the battle. He's right. It's the Battle of the Bulge uh, for that generation. Um, Frank McKay here urging everyone, uh, Medal of Honor recipient, Silver Star and Bronze uh, Medal winner, and uh, very, very kind of him to share that with all of his uh, his brotherhood. He's a team player, as you can imagine. David Bellavia is the author of Remember the Ramrods, My Army Brotherhood in War and Peace. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone. To breaking it down, Frank McKay here with just one of those people that uh, that always is doing something and always doing something significant. His podcast is just terrific. Jocko podcast uh, is just wonderful, but we'll never be able to thank him and and the others who served in in the military. He is a uh, he's a former Navy SEAL, twenty years 
20 years, uh, culminating as the commander of Task Force Bruiser, which was the most decorated special force uh, unit in the Iraq War, and what uh, what a career he's had on uh, on uh, or in the military and out of the military. Echelon Front is uh, is the company that he co-founded, and it's a multi-million dollar success. Uh, absolutely amazing career. His latest, and by the way, best-selling author. His books are great. I got three of them. He's absolutely terrific. Final Spin is his latest, and it's a novel, but it's, uh, it's a must-get. I urge everyone to get two. Christmas coming up, one for yourself and one for a present for somebody. They'll get it. Jocko Willink, how are you? I'm doing great, Frank. Thanks for having me. Listen, uh, thrilled to have you. This is a little different. Uh, the uh, the the trip into uh, the world of novels uh, is interesting, and uh, let let me know how that uh, how that plays with you. Was it a uh, was it a big transition? Was it easy? Was it smooth? You know, everyone obviously knows that I was a veteran. I spent twenty years in the military, but but that's not all I've done in my life. And there, I had a lot of experiences in my life that were outside the military, especially before I joined the military. And so those were some pretty interesting characters that I knew and hung out with. And the, so that's what this book really starts to detail. Some of the things, some of the things that I see in America and some of the things that I saw when I was in the military, but not from a military perspective. We're living in such a visual world and a visual times is it impossible to write a book like this without thinking about it on screen i would say there's some of that but even in the way that i wrote the book i was very i was very uh i paid a lot of attention to the way the book is laid out and the way the, the font that is used and the, the structure of the paragraphs and it's it's not a normal looking book it in some areas looks more like a poem than a book so I tried to do that because I think the visual is important, but I don't think the visual necessarily has to mean the big screen. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I, I, I can't wait to, uh, to read it. And it's just uh, uh, it just looks absolutely terrific. And it sounds like something that should be uh, headed for the screen. It just sounds fascinating. I. Uh, you kind of have to go back in your mind when you, I, and again, I'm assuming I've never written a novel, uh, but I, I have to believe you go back in your memory, go back to your earlier experiences. And in some ways, you almost have to block out everything that happened since. And everything that, you know, I mean, I, I look at you on paper and I'm, I'm exhausted. It, it just seems like every, you're constantly moving. You're constantly moving forward. This is kind of jumping back now. This is kind of reminiscing uh, if you're going to write about people that you met growing up and, and you know a young Jocko uh, am I hitting that on the head or is that uh, is that too much yeah I'd say that's that's accurate except for the fact that now I look back and I can kind of reflect from a different angle on what the, the kind of people that I that I met growing up and one of the characters in this book is based on when I was a kid I worked at a Wendy's yeah you think wow. I'm getting a lot done now well I used to got a lot get a lot done on the uh, on the fryer <laughs> and so I worked at Wendy's and the woman that was in charge of the salad bar back when Wendy's had salad bars, she was a woman that had some, she was uh, mildly autistic. And she was totally passionate about one thing in life, and that was the salad bar, and keeping that salad bar clean and keeping it squared away. And believe it or not, she was very, very happy. She loved that salad bar. She loved to talk about the salad bar. She loved to show me the salad bar. And so I, I've always thought about that. It was very interesting to me because she actually seemed, in many ways, 
happier than I was, and it seemed to me at the time she was happier than I ever would be. So as I grew up, I always remembered that woman. Her name was Jean, and one of the characters in this book named Artie is based on, based on that personality. Do you know, I, I think that's fascinating that you, you go back to it. I think people who know you and know your leadership books kind of see you as larger than life. And you don't portray yourself as larger than life, but you just, you you know, we know your history at this point. And anybody that listens to the Jocko podcast uh, it will will get it. And, and, you know, you've been through so much uh, in, in the big picture, but... The fact that you can kind of go back and that you've been in, in regular jobs, so to speak, and Wendy's and working with Wendy's and working with folks like this, like this young lady who was working the, the salad bar and, and it was, she was so meticulous about it. I, honestly, I think it's, uh, it shows a whole different side to you. And it's, uh, that uh, in itself is, uh, is, is very interesting. I, what did you learn? I, I don't mean just Wendy's, but what did you learn about people that applied to you later on and even in uh, you know when you were working at wendy's and you're working at different jobs like this uh, what do you think stuck with you throughout the the seals the military and and also with the leadership books and uh, is there something that that stands out as a as a constant as an absolute well let me tell you something that that definitely stands out as an absolute you know, you hear about the SEAL training and how hard the SEAL training is, and, and quite frankly, about 80% of the people that enter SEAL training, they quit. Well, when I was looking at my previous life working at Wendy's, there was no way I was going to quit that trade. <laughs> I wanted to make it through that trading because I never wanted to go back to uh, putting hamburgers on the, on the grill there at Wendy's. So that's a good motivating factor. But in quite, and honestly and, and seriously, just the humility of having been out there in the workforce, know what normal people are going through every day, knowing what, what, I, what I would likely be doing if I wasn't doing something that I really needed to chase after, and that was being the SEAL team. So that definitely stuck with me. But look, when I got to the SEAL teams, I was so happy. My first job when I got to the SEAL teams was cleaning toilets. And believe me, I did the best possible job I did because could because even that job right there, I, I knew that I was at the field teams, I was where I wanted to be and and that was a lot better than wearing the uh wearing the light blue Wendy's uh polo shirt and visor, which is what I was wearing there. Wow. I, a final word on final spin. Everyone's got to got to get this. Jocko will be talking about it as we let you go. Um, uh, a, without spoiling, uh, an overall message from final spin? Yes. It, happiness is what we're after, and one of the best ways to find happiness is by helping other people. Uh, Jocko, a website or a social media site where people could follow along with what you're doing? Yeah, I'm at Jocko Willink on all the different on all the different social media, and then Jocko.com is a pretty good, easy way to catch up with all the stuff I got going on. Uh, final spin is upon us, Jocko. We'll all be getting it. Thank you very much. Congrats on everything, but uh, final spin for sure. We'll talk to you real soon, Jocko. Thanks for having me, Jocko Willink. Everyone, uh, really, uh, in a an unbelievable. Uh, character and unbelievable that character sounds sounds like the wrong word but yeah i mean just an unbelievable individual and again you know usually usually you hear about uh seals and 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 folks and they come out of the military and you know a lot of them write books a lot of them you know there's a select few i guess who who write the books and and they're always you know well thought out always big on leadership 
and uh, and and insight. But you know, there's a you know there's a gentleness to to Jocko, and you heard that when he t- spoke about the woman who had uh, had, I guess uh, you know borderline autism, or or she was on the spectrum, and he you know he spoke about how. Uh, she was so meticulous about the salad bar at Wendy's, and yeah, Wendy's used to have a salad bar for for folks that are real real young and and don't remember Wendy's having a salad bar. They used to have a salad bar. It was, uh, you know, the only fast food place, uh, you know, of its kind. You know, like the McDonald's and the Burger Kings that had a a salad bar when salad bars were a big deal. And you know, of course, Pizza Huts and, and Stuckies and. And uh, not Stuckey's, uh, but Shoney's and, uh, you know, different places like that. And Denny's, I think, you know, Sizzler, things like that had salad bars. But, yeah, Wendy's, too. But he speaks about the, the young lady being so meticulous uh, about this. And, and he kind of drew on on her for the character. And, and again, that shows some some sensitivity and some, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, real insight into into others and and you might not think of it uh, keep in mind keep in mind he was the commander of task force bruiser right it's task force bruiser and uh, you know a bunch, he was heading out a bunch of navy seals and they were the most decorated special force unit in the iraq war and you can imagine what they saw and what they did and how they came about and and got through that you know to to sit down write a novel after all of these uh, you know these uh, you know really frank uh, education books and self-help books leadership books which are they're all terrific he's a he's a best-selling author his podcast is terrific uh, Jocko Willink uh, his podcast is Jocko podcast uh, it just I, I can't say enough about the guy I mean we've had him on before a couple times before and and he's the co-founder of Echelon Front, which is a, which is an organization. It's a well, it's a you know business that has made millions and millions of dollars. It's like everything he does turns out to be a success. I'm sure his his novel is excellent. I haven't read it. I will. It's always hard to get time to 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 read everything, but I'll I'll read it because it's Jocko Willink, and uh, he's absolutely terrific. Check out his podcast. Check out his sites. Uh, can't say enough about him and, and the other Navy SEALs out and all the all the military folks out there. We'll never be able to thank you for what you all do for us, men and women out there serving the country. And Jocko Willink is uh, is one of those 20 years, 20 years of military service, former Navy SEAL and Jocko Willink. His book is Final Spin. Please get it. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.